In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Oh, the off says off season is here. Jack sits upon his throne as being the off season king for the Cleveland Browns. He basically just gets donned this on the final game of the season. Well, as normal, here we are again. Another year has gone by, and we're back doing a little roster deconstruct because the only way Jack to build the roster is to deconstruct it. And in this case, The Browns roster this year looks a lot different than it did this time last year. So I'm here with Jack. We're going to start breaking some of these position groups down, give you an idea who's, who's pretty much a lock based on contracts or, you know, draft status, who are kind of the guys on the bubble, who's unlikely not come back, who are the free agents and how we expect to fill those holes in free agency and, or the draft. So without further ado, Mr. Jack Duffin. Hey, buddy. Uh, uh, ju- just a question for our listeners. And by all means, shoot either us a DM or WhatsApp or whatever. When you listen to the podcast and you realize you're getting an absolute horrendous intro from either myself or Ian, and there's no pull, what's your instant reaction? Is it like Ugh. they're running loose? Is it, oh, this is going to be interesting? What's the vibe? Because the, the, our intros are nowhere near as good as Paul's. We know that. And I also know. remember, we are contractually obligated by Paul to attempt them. So we can't actually coin our own intros. Paul is, you know, basically dictator Paul Brown, P. Brown, as you want to call them, uh, mandates that we try. It simply boasts his status so he can prove how much better he is at intros than us. And stay till the end. We've got a funny P. Brown story coming at you. Uh, yes. My missus might kill me for telling it, but we're going to do it anyway. Well, Paul Brown may have some some choice words for the missus. War is a brewing. Well, Jack, as everybody knows, the world goes round. It's basically the equator of the NFL team. I'm talking about the quarterback position. Last year, the question of Baker Mayfield and the drama and the postgame pressers and telling his right tackle to block TJ Watt culminated into him being traded for a conditional fourth round pick, I believe, which then he has now shipped back out to the West with LA. And the Browns brought in. A guy named Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, we know Watson was suspended for the first 11 games of the season, showed up for the last six. Browns missed the playoffs. But now we're kind of getting into full season of Deshaun Watson mode. And we're also, for the first time, paying a quarterback a significant amount of money in terms of what other NFL teams do. Now, in saying that, Jack's going to explain this contract because many people have reconstructed it, reconfigured, and you know, redone a lot of other words that you know over the cap mentions. Jack, what is the current state of Deshaun Watson's contract? Go. So Deshaun Watson's current contract, and let's just go straight from the top. When he signed his contract, it's two hundred and thirty million, fully guaranteed, pays him in cash the same amount every single year and that is 46 million so 
he is getting 46 million. And it's all just how do they pay that? And we'll get into a restructure um, and a restructure. It's exactly the same money. Whatever they do with this contract, he is still going to get paid into his bank account 46 million every single year of this contract. Other than if, if he does something horrendous off field and they cancel the void, the guarantees and other stuff, you can get into that. We're not going down that rabbit hole. He is getting 46 million a year, regardless of what happens with restructures. And all a restructure is, is they take his base salary and they down to the minimum and then they pay him a signing bonus. And effectively, that is what they did in 2022 season. And that's how that worked. So they'll take the 46 million down to the minimum, which is 1.08, pay him a signing bonus. And then that frees up cap space. This isn't a magic and people think freeing up cap space has no future consequence. And people have asked me, hey, why don't they just pay everything this way? It is a credit card. And that's for me by far the best analogy I've got for this. They just purchase that money on a credit card. And if you get a credit card, you're not suddenly rich. You have to pay that money back and balance it out in the future. So they get an extra 35.936 million of 2023 cap space. But then in each of the future years, they then have to balance that out and their cap commitment goes up. Let me get the exact number. And the idea that one I've always put to piggyback off your credit card is if I have $10,000 in my bank account and I have $2,000 in credit card debt, my, my net worth is positive $8,000. If I have $10,000 in my bank account and $18,000 in credit card debt, I have a negative net worth of $8,000. So when you're purchasing con his contract, so to say, you know, figuratively speaking, you're simply putting that money from cash to available credit, right? You're just using your credit space, so to say, under this amount. So I know there's been a lot of confusion out there. The player will still get the money. Now, did Watson lose any money from the suspension? Yeah, he lost like half a mil, um, but that's league mandated. There was nothing the Browns could do about that. Gotcha. So the balance of what it then goes down each of the next four years after 2023 is it's just under 9 million. So effectively they get 36 million extra um, in 2023. And then that same number divided by four is what they lose in each of the next four years. So it's net zero. And that's the key thing to remember. They haven't gained or lost anything by restructuring. All they do is they get extra money in 2023 and then balance that across 24, 25, 26, 27, which remember, 27 is not on the roster at that point. And that's where that dead cap stuff comes from. And then people, they get all scared about dead cap. And there is dead cap you want to avoid. Paying Baker Mayfield to trade him. That's the dead cap you don't want. Dead cap for a guy where you free up a bit of space now and then you're paying it back in the future doesn't really matter. And that's why people freak out over John Johnson. It's absolute nonsense. The same people who are telling me, you can't cut John Johnson because of this dead cap and money he was paid two years ago. Are the same people that told me there is no way they'll cut Austin Hooper because of this. The front office do not care um, because you're not going to pay someone or not cut someone for what you paid them into their actual bank account two years ago. So, um, he, but eventually it does become time to pay the piper. 
and I think the Saints is probably what the best example of that because didn't they recon they restructure Breeze multiple times, and even after he retired, he was still getting paid on their books thirty plus million dollars, right? So they would have probably been okay if there hadn't been the COVID years, the reduction in the salary cap, and that's what really threw them out. They they were playing as close to the sun as you can get, and they would have been fine. But what happened was the salary cap didn't go up the way it continued going up. And then there's a big hole in their finances. And they just had to gut the middle of their roster because they knew they were probably moving from a um, a Breeze to a Winston, a Dalton, guys like that. What they hadn't prepared for is like the 20, 30 million black hole of COVID. And then suddenly it's like, hey, we can't pay Armstead. We can't pay this guy. We can't pay that guy. Um, and that's that's the balance that really caused them the problem. So they were prepared to go from Breeze to a cheap QB um they hadn't prepared for the other side of it so if you're the browns and you're the gm what other than watson we've talked about you doing a a restructure of watson's deal which i think you said three frees up like 33 million bucks or something like that other than restructuring watson is there any other restructures you would do like how much of the current cost obligations are we putting on that credit card this offseason yeah, so I think you free up 60 million and the guys you go to, you do Watson because Watson, you've got five years, you can spread that all out over your game one this year and you can go back um, over four more years with him. Next up, Garrett makes a lot of sense under contract for quite a few more years. So you free up 13 million and then balance that over future years. And then I look to the two guards because they're under contract for a while. So Teller, you can free up nine million. Betonio, you free up just under eight. And then two guys, and lots of people instantly go to Cooper because, hey, he's got 20 million of base salary, perfect place to start. They're the ones I would avoid because if you do Cooper, Cooper's only got two years left under contract. So, hey, you free up 15 million this year, great. But then you get 3.7 million you have to deal with next year. And the year after that, you have to deal with 11.3. And that's on top of the money they've already restructured in the past. So Cooper and Chubb don't make sense to me. And the same with Injoko and Ward. You're freeing up like 2 million. If they really wanted so, to have those as min salaries, they'd have done it in the contract and not set them alive so the, 4 million. The reason you don't want to do Cooper is because of what we said earlier, you're paying for guys no longer on the roster. You know, so Mamari Cooper may sign and go play for the Jets, but you still have $12 million of his dead cap, quote unquote, on your book. So realistically, we're talking about Betonio, Teller, Garrett, Watson. And then we do think that the reason that a lot of these restructures, just because they create $60 million in cap space, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to spend it all, right? We've we've kind of learned that the Browns prefer this rollover style to kind of pay some future obligations that gives them that roster flexibility. We've talked about this often, you know, just because you see that 28 million rollover coming through, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go out and buy, you know, Deron Payne or Javon Hargrave, right? That's just them saying, we need to maintain flexibility just in case we get a 10 and 0 start. We need to make a move that gives them that ability to do that. So, you know, ultimately just having 60 million in cap space doesn't mean that you now have, you know, $60 million in available credit. Yeah, because say say you are in the midst of a Super Bowl run, everything's going really well, but Miles Garrett gets injured midseason. You can't predict that stuff. And you keep five million around midseason for injuries and moving stuff around. But suddenly 
I'd expect them to keep like 20 million penciled in for rollover. And Miles goes down two weeks before the trade deadline and they're thinking, what do we do? We, we could sit here and do something else, but what we're actually going to do instead is we'll go out. Von Miller is an example of um, someone that the Rams went after uh, in the past, but say it's another guy um, who's having a great year, but the team's willing to let them go in free agency at the end of the year. And you go, hey, you're going to get a third as a comp pick. Send him to us. We'll guarantee that third and we're going to send it to you now. We're then going to get a comp pick by allowing him to walk in free agency, etc. So you're not net losing, but you then just take on his salary. And you might go, hey, we're going to pay this edge rusher 10 million for the rest of the season. Doesn't matter. Fine. We're not worried. Take on Javon Hargrave, maybe. The Eagles have lost their quarterback through injury and they're willing to dump a player because it doesn't make sense to them. That's the sort of move where you can be really aggressive. And by having that money during the season, you can then make that move. What, what happened with the uh, Rams is they had no cap space and they didn't have that bank of money mid-season. So they had to give up a second and a third because they needed the Broncos to eat the deal for Von Miller. They had to eat all the money the same way we did with Baker to get the deal onto their books. So it's one where having a little bit of extra money in the bank just opens up options because the last thing you want is a Super Bowl run and your star corner, star edge rusher, something goes down and you're stuck there. If you can give up a third and then get a third back at the end of the season, it's net nothing for you as a team. You make that move. And realistically, I mean, we could be talking about Deshaun Watson, right? So Deshaun Watson's in week four. <laughs> And Claude, I mean, geez, Claude, I agree. He knew where I was going with this point. That's amazing. Deshaun Watson goes down and maybe Jacoby Brissett has signed a one-year deal with a team, right? And he's like, the team's not going to the playoffs. And you call up, you know, said whoever the team is and say, hey, we're interested in Jacoby. Maybe it's $6 million or whatever his contract is. You're now able to take him back. So you could finish out the year, give you any shot at finishing up maybe a five, six game window where Watson's out that flexibility gives it to you because as we know, the quarterback is that important position. So we had this debate, you know, on Twitter last week about the backup quarterback, because ultimately you and I were saying, yes, we see value in a backup quarterback. However, we see value in a $2 million backup quarterback, not an $8 million backup quarterback. Well, this conversation changes. If it's week 13, Watson gets a high ankle sprain and you're sitting there at 10 and three or nine and four fighting for the division. And you call up, you know, Jacoby's new team and say, hey, I've got this rollover. I can take him. And then we do the pick thing that Jack talked about, because ultimately now we're not talking about wanting a guy to come in for a game or two games. Right. And the Niners got lucky with the Brock Purdy experiment working the way it did. I don't think many teams are in the position where Mr. Irrelevant can step in and win five games for him. I just don't think that's something that you could bank on always happening. But Jack, when we talk about Deshaun Watson, we obviously know he is as much of a lock on this roster. I mean, you can padlock him, key lock him. You can do whatever type of lock you want. He's going to be on the Browns in 2023. Agreed? Oh, yeah, 100%. He, he is going to be there. He's probably the bar and off field. He is the safest person on the entire team that you can make an argument for every single person getting traded before he does. Okay, so that's the easiest one we're going to have. Now there's two more guys in the in the quarterback bucket, and you're saying two, Ian, two. Kellen Mond, who they brought on last year, is kind of assumed the backup role, right? You know, obviously former 2021 senior senior bowl MVP Kellen Mond. 
Um, and then the other guy, obviously, is a pending free agent, Jacoby Brissett. Who do you who do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Kellen Mond? Or you want to talk about Jacoby? Do the guy on the roster, and for me, I put him in this term of what I call the bubble. So there's a chance that he'll make the roster. He's no lock. And for me, a lock, hey, I want 95%, 99% certainty the guy is going to make it without a trade um, because, hey, anyone can get traded realistically. Um, and he's not on the unlikely, hey, less than like a 25% chance of some miracle happens. Um, injuries can obviously move stuff around. So they obviously like him. Because not only did they claim him, they kept him on the roster for the entire season. And Anthony Reinhardt pulled up some data. One of very few players to ever sit on a roster for an entire season without being active on game day. Um, and we're talking ever. Not just Browns, all teams. So a, re a really rare scenario. He's under contract. Contract for two more years. And one of the reasons why they kept him over Dobbs, because Dobbs would have been a free agent and they, they had no way of retaining him. He could have gone and signed somewhere else. So they obviously like him enough that they think he could be the answer as a backup for two years. No one's really seen him play in the NFL. Um, he's not really had a massive opportunity. And we've seen constantly what has Stefanski done with callbacks. Cousins, he was better under Stefanski than what we'd seen before. Baker, he was better under Stefanski than we've seen before. Brissett, was better under Stefanski than we've seen before. So if they're confident they can just elevate him to, hey, he's okay, that could be a route they go where, hey, let's just be cheap at the position. Um, I, I'm intrigued because I don't see it. I think it was a worthwhile addition just on the cheap to see what you've got. But they, they must view something. Um, because they could have easily just allowed him to to go and not kept a roster spot, but they must have seen something in practice. Yeah, and and the thing with Mond, and it's unique because uh, somebody I know, his son actually played with Kellen at IMG, right? And this is a guy who is just an he's an he is the athletic profile of what you're looking for, right? You know, I think he's a little like six two and a half, um, just an, a dual threat type of quarterback. So when he was coming out, everyone was like, man, we've seen this big arm at Texas A&M. We've seen his ability to move around, right? The problem is, is his ability coming out of college to what they call layer a throw, right? Between short, intermediate, and deep, you have to learn how to layer a throw. At Texas A&M, it was like, oh, I got a guy coming open on a dig. Boom, I can hit a laser in the chest. In the NFL, you're throwing to spots, spaces, and stuff like that. It's a little bit different of a game. But... You're right. There has to be something with Mond that they're developing, whether it's AVP saying, listen, if we can tune your arm into something, we can make you a valuable asset because this is a guy he carries. He's a strong frame. He's a big bodied guy. You know, they're really it's ball placement. It's timing. It's these type of things that are going to make his Colt McCoy like NFL career or his he's going to be out of the league in a couple of years type of thing. But it would be nice to kind of see him. I, I would expect we're going to see a lot of him in preseason, right? Because it's not like they're going to start their $46 million quarterback. So Mond is an interesting guy. I, I personally haven't seen it like in the NFL. Obviously I watched enough of him at Texas A&M. I think they're going to look to bring in some other, you know, options at quarterback, but I, I will be the first one to admit newsflash, Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Drew Petsig, they know more about football than I do. Okay, so if they're sitting in a meeting room with the guy and they're sold on him, I, I have to go take that, you know, take them at, a, at their word for it because 
This is a guy that has shown some upside. The question is, is can they get consistency out of it? So I agree. I think likely he'll be a guy that's back, obviously in camp. Um, and I think if he takes his training, you know, he's a good kid. I mean, everything that I've ever heard about him, good family, good kid, hard worker. You know, he's not a guy that's, you know, out at the clubs getting bottle service with the defense. You know, he's going to be a guy that really kind of just sticks to his craft. I think he wants to be better. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see some, some tangible development from him over the soft season, especially working with a guy like Watson who can maybe not, I'm not saying tell him or sell him all the secrets, but he's a guy he can watch and mimic to see, Hey, when I, when I run this RPO, when I hit this boot, when I hit this bubble, like these are the type of things I'm looking for. Yeah. And he, he was taken with the 66th pick in the draft. So there is definitely some talent there and it's a case of unlocking it. And it's not saying, Hey, draft is 66. He should be starting any other position. Yes. Um, but not with quarterback. So it's one that there should be enough that he can be a backup in the league. Um, it's can they unlock it? So next we jump to Jacoby Brissett and we'll touch on him before we go into the free agency options because it's worth having that discussion about guys that are, um, well, hey, he, he, he's under team control and they can re-sign him up until the 15th before any other team, well, 13th because you get two days of legal tampering. Um, and, and Jack, Jacoby was the perfect thing because we knew we were going to be missing time for Watson. We just talked about how you need to have a guy that can bridge the gap, right? Jacoby is your prototypical bridge quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett. These are guys where if they got to come in and start for four games, you know that you have a feasible shot at least staying above water. Unfortunately, coming into this season for Jacoby Brissett, that opportunity doesn't exist here in Cleveland because your hope is that Deshaun Watson plays all 17 games. In saying that, we all like Jacoby Brissett. He is the consummate professional. He is a guy that is loved in the locker room, which tells me that every single guy in that locker room wants him to go out and get paid. And I think in terms of your backup quarterback, bridge quarterbacks, he's going to be likely the most sought after. Is there is there anybody else that I'm just not thinking of that's going to be more sought after in that bridge role. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one because it's not like I expect Gino or Danny dimes to really become available. Jimmy Lamar Jackson, G. I guess, but you think I'd, I'd say potentially if you're San Francisco, you let Jimmy walk knowing that you got what you got. Yeah. They're going to let him walk. Yeah. They've tried this once before. Then they had to call, come back. John Lynch, Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> so, yeah, J Jimmy's going to be, I'd say, the, the number one. But I would say Jacoby Brissett is the number two. So, for Ahead your... of Baker Mayfield? Jack. He's going to go to the Bucks. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, I love it. Um, But that's what we're kind of looking at. If he was three million, I wouldn't even be having this conversation. It'd be say, hey, getting that deal, why isn't it already done? Let's bring him back. So... It's one that, and that conversation comes down to, and people are like, oh, the Browns need to improve their run defense. It's kind of, we always say it's opportunity cost. If you give Jacoby Brissett 8 million, and that's what PFF's predicting, and they do a phenomenal job with their contracts, that's a fair number to go, hey, that's 8 million. Well, you can pay Jordan Elliott two and a half mil, and you keep that. Or what you can do is you can pay one and a half million to the quarterback and pay 
10 million to your starting defensive tackle. And it's not that, hey, you can spend that in different ways, but just to give you that idea of Brissett and Jordan Elliott or suddenly a cheap backup and that. So we let Brissett walk. I'm Let's start with the little bit of money, guys. Before we get into the really, really cheap ones, there's one guy I'm intrigued with, and he used to be in the division, and he played for three million this year with incentives to get him to four. So it was a really, really cheap deal. Would he go to a team that he has no real chance to start on that money? I'm not sure. But if he was available for three million, the same way if Brissett was available for three million, I'm running this card to him and I'm willing to pay more than I would for other guys. And that is my the red, brother in the Christ, red the red rifle, Andy Dalton, because that for me is worth the extra one, one and a half million because he is a really good standard of play. Yes, he's not Deshaun Watson, but if he missed two, three games, you're probably not really skipping a beat by bringing in someone that he had a phenomenal year um, in terms yeah, of backups. That, that QB really situation really- was weird with Jameis and then benching him and then his back. And then Dalton just said, fine, I'm not going to let you start for the rest of the year. No, he played well above anybody's expectations. Oh, if, if, if you had, if, if you gave me the option of say, hey, I, I'm going to give 5 million to Brissett, 5 million to Andy Dalton, I would sign those both two, like four, five year deals at that price. And I would go, I have no interest in the top level of quarterback because between them two, you're going to work something out and you've effectively got a rookie contract situation there where my, you can just go. It's my, my question, Jack, how much of Dalton's play do you think was contagious? from Jarvis going to New Orleans, bringing the work ethic, bringing the professionalism. I I mean, I'm of the belief that the reason Dalton shined, the red rifle was as accurate as ever is because clearly Juice Landry, right? Yeah, he barely played. Um, Because that's why he was, he was spending so much time coaching him up, telling him how to be a quarterback. Red rifle was like, thank you, Juice. I appreciate you, brother. I'm going to give you 14 million for that leadership. Yeah. So uh, the only the only knock I have on Dalton is with the Watson, right? We're talking RPOs, we're talking zone reads, we're talking about boots, we're talking about shakes, moves. You know, we're shifting the pocket. He ain't doing that. He is not, he is a statue. He is gonna go back there. We have a good enough offensive line. I almost guarantee you offensive lines would rather block for him because they know exactly where he's gonna be in the pocket. However, in terms of a backup, I'm running almost two different styles of offenses. That's my only knock towards Dalton is. You know, if I bring in the number twos and I'm an offensive lineman, I look back and I see those glowing ginger locks. I know, all right, I got to block different for him than I would for, say, Deshaun Watson. So a couple of the guys that I had looked at were more pocket moving guys, guys that I could roll out, guys that I could mimic similar offenses. So other than Dalton, anybody else you want to touch on? I know I think we have a couple of similar ones, but we'll get into some good ones. I'm going to go with the young talent. And I'm going to look at guys that are highly drafted. And if one of these guys comes in really cheap, I'd be tempted to do it. And there's going to be people that will listen to some of the names I'm going to throw out and think, why? I don't want that guy anywhere near my team. But if I'm talking about a couple of million, I'm willing to bank on the upside. In the same way, I'm willing to trust them with Kellen Mond to try to get something out of him. And I'm going to start with one first and make people laugh. I'm going to throw out a name, Sam Darnold. Because if he's a couple of mil because no one wants him. I'm going to have a go on that. Jacoby Brissett, uh, sorry, Bridgewater, I think is a bit like Brissett. So just throw him out 
um, with the bathwater. Um, Drew Locke's another. So Donald and Drew Locke are two guys that intrigue me if they're going to be dirt cheap. I think they're going to be around your four or five mil and that completely rules me out. But if each, either of those guys are going to take a two million, I want to just be a backup for a year, a bit like Trubisky did with the Bills, I'm up for giving that a go. What would you say on either of those? <sighs> Jack. Um, I'm, Bridgewater, I, I think you're right. I think he's one that we really don't have to talk much on. I was a big Sam Darnold fan coming out. I actually liked him better than Baker. I don't know why it hasn't clicked. I mean, obviously, Grant's out of the Marlboro, man. Again, I think you're probably talking that you're going to see these maybe three to five million dollar base deals with, you know, a couple million incentives to push them up for that almost Trubisky like role they had this year with the Steelers, where a team drafts a rookie. They want to kind of open up that bridge so a guy like Darnold can bring that in. Drew Locke, I like Locke. I think he has a good arm. Um, it was really odd to see him go to Seattle and then Gino just like take off. So maybe like he brought that just seismic mojo that elevated Gino Smith, but locks another guy. I would probably be more interested in Darnold than I would lock. However, if you're telling me that Darnold's maybe five to 7 million and drop and locks three to 5 million, then I'll take the lock for three to 5 million. But there's a guy that I'm curious about. I have not seen any contract projections on him and you're generally pretty good on this. What about my man, Taylor Heineke? What have I got? So if, if you go over to the OBR, I've written on every single undra um undrafted, unrestricted free agent. We're not touching on restricted exclusive because those guys generally stay. I Heineke obviously everyone. Heineke I've, was a guy that can move the pocket. He's a fighter, he's undersized, he comes in, gives you the whole Ugh. so what do you have him at? I've got him at three million. Woohoo! Taylor! There it is. That's my guy. No, I, I like Heineke. I like the way he plays. This is obviously a guy um, who was able to kind of rally the troops, you know, in wake of the Carson Wentz disaster area. So if you're bringing him in for a guy that I'm pretty confident in a game or two can come in, run a similar style offense to Watson. Listen, I am not saying that Taylor Heineke has the same level of athleticism as Deshaun Watson. I am not saying that I do have two eyeballs, 2020 close thereof, but in the pinch where I got to have him come in, start a few games, and just grind it out, I, Heineke would probably be the top of my list. So uh, there's a bit of inconsistency there with him, but I wouldn't hate it. Um, but I couldn't say I get that excited about it. Um, well, in not terms of excited backup, over a backup quarterback, I get excited about everyone. You remember when how excited I was when we signed Ben Still, who had like 15 snaps in the NFL, and I, I was over the moon. First of all, those are the most legendary 15 snaps ever. So it's kind of like just really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, some of the other guys I wrote. Done, I, my one, my one next. This is my guy. Heineke's your guy. I've got my guy. I want the reunion. Bring him home. Josh Dobbs. That That is my guy. I think you can get him at something like one and a half mil um, and just get that guy back here because that is cheap value. Um, unfortunately, got a little run with the Titans. And that makes it harder. The Browns wanted to sign into the practice squad, but he went somewhere else where he could play and who can blame him. Um, oh, yeah, but I, I think they can go back to him and go, hey, come here. Come in. Let, let's get this deal done. Um, and I, they, everything was good terms. There was no reports about yeah. bad terms. He, he, he's been in the league a while. There was no bad blood with it. He, he understood that, hey, Mon's there. And I'm sure 
they'd have probably said to him, hey, if you want to come sign for two and a half million over two years for 2024, 2023, 2024, they'd have probably gone, yeah, we'll keep you instead. So well, also, I think to your point, yeah, they would have picked him over Mon if he had a different contract situation. So Dobbs is unique because him coming back would be solely dependent on how well did he feel he got coached. So if you want to find out, like if Dobbs does come back, know that that means that he looked at Stefanski and that offensive staff and said, I really like what I was able to develop because he went to Tennessee, started right away and was able to get more passing yards in one game than Malik Willis had in three combined. So let's not forget that he was able to step in. So that's preparation. You know, Dobbs is obviously a super smart guy, athletic as well, understands conceptually how offenses are supposed to work. He goes down to Tennessee, Vrabel and the offensive staff says, all right, what can we do? He's out there within a week giving the Titans legitimate quarterback play. That's what you're looking for, right? So Dobbs is on my list. He is my number three guy. I can't believe you skipped over my number two guy, but that's besides the point. Dobbs is third on my list. But yeah, I would absolutely look and say, hey, are you interested in coming back and bring, get the band back together? You know, the Watson, Mon, Dobbs band. I mean, I know that Dobbs is well-liked in the area. Um, I know he's got some connections around here as well. So I would absolutely make that phone call. But and it's one they could have the discussion with him and go, look, we're happy for you. Watson's potentially our callback for the next 10 years. We see you as a guy that you can earn $2 million a year for all of those years. We are legit happy with you. As the backup, we're not going to pay you loads. Let's be honest about it. But you can just sit there behind him and you can have a, a long career here where you can just get $2 million every single year. Have, have the, the Chase Daniels kind of like... just thinking of him. You're just going to have Daniels. that career of, we'll keep giving you that. Look, we might draft a guy every so often, but until something happens miraculously, that's your job. And you'll have a great rapport. We'll give you some preseason games. So if ever you go off and you want another gig somewhere else, you, you're going to have a good stuff. And there is a decent career and money to be made as a backup. Um, they can throw some incentives look at, look at in there Colt too. McCoy. Colt McCoy's made however much. And you, here's what you tell Dobbs. Don't get beat out as the backup. So if I, we draft a rookie, don't get beat out by the backup. That's your job. Because they're only going to pick a guy in the sixth and seventh. And there's no reason they keep him. And they might just do the Mon thing of one less linebacker. We'll keep him around as the uh, the third guy. You've got a year. See who's yeah. best and we'll move on from one. And it could be one of those ones. You know, I know this became a thing in the playoffs where San Francisco had the emergency quarterback situation like teetering where we had a guy with a torn UCL try to play a game. Or if you have maybe Watson going to win a game with a bad ankle, maybe you just start three on the active roster for that game or something like that. You know, it's one of those things where you never know, but I'm shocked, Jack. I, if given the opportunity to bring in a future Super Bowl champion here, right? One who wears that fly Eagles fly green. And I'm not a big Eagles fan. I'm just wearing a shirt that's that color. Gardner. Gardner's going to be a free agent. And has his ship sailed for you? Cause he's my number two guy. So, I think God, I'm, I'm watching like the face of just somebody who's coming to grips with reality. Like if, I wish you could all, he slouches back in his chair. Jack, what are you going to tell us? He's going to be cheap. He's coming off a not great year. He, 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 he's had a lot of joy in his Jaguar time. Didn't have very much success with the Eagles, which you would assume that to be the other way around. But at the same time, when he was playing with the Jaguars, the games were over and he was out there just having fun. Um, and it was fun. 
Um, he was just throwing stuff up and making the magic happen. I I look at him and I look at Nick Mullins as two sort of guys that if we had Baker, I think they fit a lot better. So I don't look at them as you mentioned it earlier with looking for that scheme fit, how it can potentially work. And I think if you had Baker as your starter, you're looking for someone similar who can come in and run the same stuff. Your Minshew, your Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins would probably be just above Minshew for me. I think there's a really, really nice blend there. Whereas I want someone with a bit more running around and craziness. Um, and so I don't know if if they're the perfect fit. But hey, that dude is fun. And I I, I would just have him just for the entertainment value. I agree. So I think you obviously heard Jack's kind of some of his top targets, some little long stretches in terms of, you know, Darnold Locke, just some of the other guys I have on my list. So we're going to do a little rundown here, Jack. I'm going to give you some names. Just tell me what, you know, comes first to mind. We obviously talked about Heineke. We talked about Gardner. We talked about Dobbs. We just talked about him. Nick Mullins. What's your what, just quick couple, couple lines on him. I expect him to be kept as Kirk Cousins backup. So I don't, I don't expect him to, uh, really get into the market um i think he's that perfect yeah he's just solid so he's solid i'd be happy with him but at the same time i don't know how much of a scheme fit he is brandon allen joe burrow's backup no i'm good nate sudfeld as a third qb that's potentially going to be the one on the practice squad he's my number two for that so you you're going we're happy with mond as the backup we're not going to bring in someone to truly compete with mond we're going to bring up a guy that's going to be our practice squad qb he's my number two for that role for, for those that don't know sudfeld was the guy i believe he's out of indiana came in was drafted by the redskins then was on the eagles practice squad for a little while they kept him around for i think three years i think and then he went off to san francisco was in San Francisco for a little while on their practice squad. And then ultimately this year signed as a street free agent with the lions for a little over a million bucks. Um, so this is a guy six accumulated seasons has earned a little over $10 million in his career as a backup, good arm talent has some mobility. You know, I remember him in the big 10 as well, just kind of being able to do just a few things, right? That's the idea. Um, so Sudfeld's a guy that, you know, if push comes to shove and all the other guys are gone, I give him a call. Uh, what about, Cooper Rush, free agent coming out of the Cowboys. We saw him win a couple games. Any interest for another person with hair as close to yours as we'll find? He has wins, but that is about the only thing that man is offering. I want no part of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good because he, he's he's going to get over two, two and a half mil, and there is so much better options out there. All right, last but not least, we saw him battle for the fighting Las Vegas Raiders after they ironically enough benched Derek Carr, then sent him to the Pro Bowl. That's a whole thing. We talk about dysfunctional franchises. The Raiders at this point have surpassed the Browns. I can I give that solely because of Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, and professionals being in the room. All you Josh McDaniels people, how do you enjoy this now? Jarrett Stidham. No. Did you see enough out of him in those last couple of weeks that would want you to bring him in, the former pride of the Auburn Tigers? Two words. Not good. It's tough to argue with those words, Jack. That's one hell of a convincing argument, but he is on my list as a young guy. I mean, I think he's 27. You're talking peanut 
assets in price. I mean, this is a guy that was just the Raiders did him a solid. That's the idea, what it was. They knew he was going to be a free agent. They knew he wasn't coming back. They wanted to let him get a little tape. Well, no, the reason they did that is because they couldn't afford for Carr to get injured because if Carr got injured, his contract was guaranteed for injury guarantee. So that's why he was in the game. He was in the game to protect them from paying Carr. I want to throw out so none. You want to put him on the sidelines, Derek? Stay home. Nate Sudfeld was my second. Number three, Eastern Stick is my like bring oh, in the guy to be Chargers. on the practice squad. But is that guy... only because of his name? No, no. I, 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 there's some intrigue there. Some intrigue. Um, and I say intrigue as a practice squad QB. I'm not talking as intrigue of he's the next uh, like breakout Brock Purdy style guy. The one that I really want, if we're going to go with that, Mond is the backup, is Jeff Driscoll. The that guy. End? No, no. He, he, the guy's mobile. And if you get to the stage where your third quarterback's out there, something's seriously gone wrong, is point one. And point two is I'm don't, they're not good at passing. If they were good at passing, they'd be a QB1 or a QB2. He can run around a little bit. And that just leads me to go, give it a go. Um, so he's one that if, if they are sure that Mon's the guy, and I would much rather they bring in a backup to compete, whether it's Dobbs, someone else, he, he, he's my QB3. So I'd stick on the practice squad. What about CJ Beathard? Guy obviously has coaching in the zone scheme, kind of similar with our offense with Shanahan and stuff. Um, this is a guy out of Iowa, 30, probably talking somewhere between one and two mil. I am going to write to CJ Beathard this offseason and ask him how in living Christ he got paid $5 million for two years of work because I do not understand how the Jaguars gave him that money. Um, I wouldn't even pay him if he was on the league minimum. He's This thing, though, he's been under the tutelage of Doug Peterson for the last year, so that's why I'm telling you. He signed it, what, 2021? So that would have been Meyer? Meyer would have signed him that, right? Yeah. Meyer and Balky. Genius. Telling you, Jack, we missed our calling. This is a guy, eight and a half million, six year career. It's the best position in the NFL. I know, I know being a uh, a franchise callback at 46 million a year is nice, but I would much rather just be a career backup that gets That's paid two, two and a half million a year, and you never have to do anything. And when you go in the in your bad, no one actually cares. Yeah, punters are people too. That is untrue about punters because if you do bad there, you're in trouble. Um, last, we're going to finish this up. I'm going to throw a couple names at you. Just yes or no, even if you're interested. Uh, we're going to start right here at the top. Trace McSorley. No. Kyle Allen. No. This guy here, if you say no, we may have to revoke your, your scouting status. Nathan Peterman. <laughs> no. Chase Daniel. <laughs> Oh man, the the man, the myth, legend. Uh, just because he'll cost no more than the minimum, it's a no. For the record, Chase Daniels' current career earnings: forty three million one hundred and two thousand two hundred and seventeen dollars. Originally a UDFA, he did spend a little time in camp with the Browns. For the record, but uh, <laughs> he he came out was a UDFA with the Redskins in 09. Then went over to the Saints practice squad in 09 and has been with the Redskins, Saints, Chiefs, Eagles, back to the Saints, Bears, Lions, and Chargers. And all told, 
43 million of that 21 million came from your boy, Howie Roseman at the Eagles when he signed a free agent deal for a three year, $21 million deal in 2017, 2016. So you much as you love Howie Roseman, just know that at one point he gave Chase Daniels a three year, $7 million a year contract. Uh, so. One guy, I, I, I'll throw one guy out there. <laughs> Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I think that might be a little bit of a locker room uh, problem. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi and him did it. We're able to get along this year. So that's at least good to see. But yeah, uh, Bethard, we talked about Case Keenum. I don't think Case is going to come back. Uh, Josh Johnson, obviously, you know, played in the playoffs, did absolutely nothing. He's been on 43 different teams. Could he come back to the Browns? He's one that if you got an injury during the season, you need to bring someone in. I would look at that the same way that we had three or four seasons where uh, Blake Bortles was that guy. He was just ready. He's not going to sign for a practice squad or anything like that. But if you need a guy that goes straight onto the roster, either as the backup or as the starter, he's ready and you can call him. Um, and I, I think that's the route you would go, that suddenly, hey, if you lost, let's say it's you signed Dobbs and you've got um, Keaton Mond, you've got Watson, Mond and Driscoll, Driscoll's on a practice squad and you lose your top two QBs, you'd look to a Josh Johnson mid-season and go, look, we need something. Just get in there. All right. We'll wrap it up. Last name, Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. He's... 34. The difference between Blaine Gabbert and Claude, my dog, is Claude's not washed. <laughs> well, go give him a bath. My gosh. <laughs> you can't talk about a man's personal hygiene like this. He's been on holiday for a week. Bless him. But yeah, um, I think that's, I mean, these are the type of guys. So when you're asking yourself about backup quarterbacks and stuff like that, you know, just, just also remember, you know, when you're talking about $8 million on a $224 million cap, you're talking about three and a half percent for a guy that you're hoping doesn't play. So let's get that number down, maybe closer to like under 2% of our, of our salary cap. Um, So again, circling back to our initial discussion about the one that you and I had on Twitter the other day, we understand the value of a backup quarterback and you need a good backup quarterback in this league because you never know when shit it shall hit the fan. But I'm not going to pay $8 million or 5 million base plus incentives for said backup quarterback. We just gave you a list of guys, you know, that pretty much we see as being people. Andrew Barry would call, but again, at the end of the day, this is like a garage sale. I'm only interested if the price is right. Yeah. And dig into a tweet, uh, our boy, Jackson McCurry, uh, put it on Twitter the other day. It's a Sam Monson tweet. Um, Gruden once asked Tom Moore why Peyton's backups don't get more reps. And the quote is, fellas, if 18 goes down, we're fucked and we don't practice fucked. And that is the point of, and people say, oh, what about when Carson Wentz got injured and Nick Foles won the quarterback? You've got a better track record of drafting quarterbacks at 199 and them turning into Hall of Famers than that. So it's very, very rare. And also, if Carson Wentz was on 46 million a year, the rest of that roster would not have been good enough to allow Nick Foles to get over the line. Um, so don't chase the really rare and random. And Nick Foles was paid decent money. Um not so much at that point. Actually, he was on the cheap and then he got paid decent money and then he was rubbish when he was needed. So don't pay for the outside chance that that might happen. You are much better spending that $8 million on 
a starting defensive tackle, a, a wide receiver three, um, wherever you want that money to go. We have a lot of holes. Use the money appropriately. That is the mission statement of this offseason. But no, it's, it's been great chatting quarterbacks with you. Um, obviously, we know who the starter is. Hopefully, we see better play out of him than we did those final six games because ultimately, the success and the failures of the team rest on the shoulders of number four, you know, rightly or wrongfully, or rightly or wrongly, depending on, you know, how you feel about the guy. But at the end of the day, he is the starting quarterback. He is well paid and he does have skills that the Browns need to tap into. So, if we can save a few million bucks on the backup quarterback and put it into other positions, what we're going to talk about later uh, down the road here, um, it's a wise move to make. But overall, how would you rate Deshaun Watson? Let's just assume Lamar's back to the Ravens. So you have Kenny Pickett, Lamar Jackson, and Joey Burrow as the quarterbacks in the AFC North. Where do you rank Deshaun Watson? I'll put him second. Um, I, I think um, he's going to be fine. I think Joe Burrow's the number one there. Um, and then I go to him. Um, I, I think you're going to get to that stage where Lamar Jackson is going to miss several games a season just because of the way he plays the game. And he has been pretty good with um, his health, getting out of bounds before the hit, et cetera, but that's going to be a case. And I think just some of the stuff Watson does, and you mentioned that his movement in the pockets causes issues for the O-line. If they have a full off-season of preparing for that and really – and you can have as many practices as you want until you get into games and you see what happens. The players can understand it. The O-line can understand it. The coaches get a better understanding of what he does. Then that stuff takes time. And um, when Kevin Stefanski was on the with Ken Carmen and Lima, he had a big section where he they asked him about sacks and he just said about how they need to do loads of stuff, practicing scramble drills, things like that. And that kind of stuff is going to make a big, big difference of where the O-line, the receivers and the quarterback and the coaching staff all on the same page of what's going to happen. Which way do they turn? And you're going to see those magic plays and the connection we discussed on the pod is not there within Joker at the moment. DPJ wasn't as successful as sort of the Brissett time. That stuff will naturally get ironed out. I'm not that worried about it. Um, we've seen all this magic with Kevin Stefanski where he's made everyone else better. I don't think he's suddenly going to, his magic's going to rub off and he can't elevate Watson. And we only need top eight. I know we'd all love him to be the best quarterback in the league. I don't really care as long as he's top eight. If he's top eight and the defense, well, the whole offense is top eight and then the defense is 16th, you're in the Super Bowl. As long and, as and, and top eight is efficiency, right? It's not stats. We're not we're not fantasy. We're not playing fantasy football here, right? Well, you could argue that Brock Purdy was playing at a top tier caliber quarterback towards the end of the season. He wasn't making mistakes. Was he throwing for four hundred yards? No, but he was getting the ball where it needed to be. He put the ball in the hands of George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and said, "Go win me games," and they did. Right. So you had a complimentary football team go out and win games. And I think that's ultimately what the Browns are striving to do. They're trying to build up a young, aggressive defense. You know, they bring in Jim Schwartz and Schwartz, we all know, wants to get pressure with the front and cover in the back. It's not much different than what Woods was trying to do before. We just had a bunch of lads on the defensive line that were just subpar. So it, the ball goes to Andrew Barry. It goes to Glenn Cook and the guys and says, hey, man, get me some D linemen. Get me some guys that can generate pressure. But all right, last question for you. I just want a percentage chance. Uh, what is the percentage that Lamar Jackson is back with the Ravens? 75%. 
Ooh, I'm I'm going 40. 40% back, 60% gone. I think the Ravens move on. I really hope he stays because I, mean, I, I, I do too, selfishly. Then him getting traded because if he gets traded and they get a top four pick, they get a future first, they get maybe a second this year. Um, that's yeah, but they draft, they draft linebackers and give them a hundred million dollars. What do we care? Hey, Sashi, keep watching also, magic. Jack, why would you keep Lamar Jackson when you have Pro Bowl quarterback Snoop Huntley? Just saying, just saying. Hey, any stuff that makes the Pro Bowl look stupid, I am all in favor of. I think I just dislocated my toe coming down the stairs. But on that note, all right, everybody, we appreciate you sticking around. Quarterback's obviously a little bit of a lengthier position where there's just so much that goes into the position. Don't expect the running backs, wide receivers, especially the tight ends to be as long. We can get through those a little bit quicker, but we do appreciate everybody, you know, downloading, listening, subscribing, chatting. Jack's obviously becoming an overnight celebrity with his takes. Jack, you have anything you need to plug at the OBR coming up? Oh, there, there is just so much stuff on the OBR, whether it's like the trade series that's finished. There's um, every day there is articles. We're doing a new position, but similar to this show where we chat a little bit more in depth, but this just looks at every single one of them. We're talking like some positions, there's like 60 wide receivers, 66, I think, that are free agents. All of them guys are covered. Um, I've teamed up with Jake Burns as of today. Um, so you can go in and every single day, Monday to Friday, I'm doing a mock draft where I do the free agency. He does the drafting and that's what the team could look like. So giving you that complete picture of the whole off season. Um, but no, loads of great stuff. Go over there, read everyone else's work as well. Um, but we, we're going to be back. Might not be every day, but we're going to be rolling out some shows while we go through this series. Um, so jump on with my boy. And we promised a story. So when I was um, away, we've got to include it. Um, my missus was saying, well, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just finished off this article about tight ends. I've got right up Farrah Brown. And she said, that's a weird name. And I said, you, you're telling me uh, P Brown's a weird name. And she's like, yeah. So I pull out my phone and I start recording it as a voice note to uh, Ian and Paul. And I just asking her the same question. And she, she just goes off on how uh, P Brown is just such a bad name. And I said, uh, I forget the exact words, but I was like, my ball, boy, Paul Brown, is going to be deeply, deeply upset with this. And you can see her face at the moment she realized that when she was saying about P. Brown, I'd gone off from Farrah Brown and I'm actually talking about Paul. And it just hit her. And then, uh, yeah, a really upset message from Paul. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason he's not on the show today. It is possible. He did send us 26, mess- 26 seconds of voice memo misery. So... Yeah. Uh, and also, last but not least, shout out uh, one of my boys growing up, turned 40 today. Shout out to you, Mike. I know today's your birthday and you're listening to the show. So enjoy your 40s. I was there when he started his 30s. We were moving like Jagger to some Maroon 5, and it just tells you 10 years later where we're at now. So, crazy, crazy time flies. Yeah, happy birthday. Go Browns. Go Browns.